Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Feckin' Metal. I am your host, Fergal Trainer. I'm definitely not saying Happy New Year at this point. It's far too late for any of that nonsense. It being the 14th of January as I record this, an episode I was writing notes for and piecing together on Monday, the 10th of January. And, uh, and then we had the news about Judas Priest. And I was putting together the plan for this episode and writing down all the things I was going to talk about. It was going to be a solo episode with me just speaking about various different topics that... I wanted to touch on for a while and some plans for 2022, etc. And then uh, Judas Priest came out with the idea that they're going to be a four-piece band. So they're going to get rid of a second guitarist and they haven't really explained what they're going to do about that other than not have a second guitarist. Andy Sneap has been given the chop even though he's going to continue to produce the new Judas Priest album. But yeah, the famous dual guitar, the dual lead, uh, of Judas Priest is no more, allegedly. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that hastily put together episode, but by no means is that a uh, comment by me on the quality of the episode and the interviewees that I got to speak to. So thanks again to Melissa, Jonathan and uh, Nesbitt for joining at such short notice. And I did try to get George as well from the Metal Gods podcast, but he was unable to make the call at a suitable time and time differences are going to um, always get in the way of, of something like that. Um Nesbitt and Jonathan have a more favourable time difference to the Republic of Ireland, being only three and a half hours and one hour apart from the time I'm at now, uh, respectively, whereas Melissa in New York is, was five hours behind. But um, yeah, it, it worked out anyway, and it was great to talk to uh, the three of you about that, and I really enjoyed the episode. And for those of you listeners who listened to the episode immediately or soon after it was posted, I apologise because I actually went back in and edited again re-edited it because the initial edit wasn't that good frankly it wasn't up there with my best work i did it hastily i did it after a few beers and i wanted to get it out asap to coincide with the timely nature of the news and uh, it, it seemed it, it's a complete reaction to something in the news and that's something that uh, i liked doing and frankly would like to do again in the future a reaction to something that's quite newsworthy and see if you can get a few people on the call and let's talk about it now completely taking a page out of the metal voice uh chapter or a page out of their book or leaf out of their book whatever you want but yeah I, I like how they can round up a few people and react to things in the news ad hoc and i'd like to be able to do that again maybe in the future we, we'll see if any news warrants such an episode ad hoc um so that was that and kk then hasn't said anything since as far as i can see he hasn't responded in any way in the news he hasn't done any interviews uh, since this broke on Monday, which is very unusual for KK Downing because he has had an opinion about Judas Priest's second guitar player for as long as his second, or his not second, for as long as his autobiography has been out, which is the, probably three years now, I'm going to guess. I'd say 2018 that was released anyway. So um, every interview he's done, and he's done a lot, he has been talking about wanting to rejoin Judas Priest. He's basically said that he's put himself forward numerous times. He seemed to accept the most recent comments I read by him, he seemed to accept the fact that he's never going to be able to rejoin Judas Priest. But you you would imagine something as newsworthy as this would be enough to set him off. Because it doesn't take much to set him off. Um, and he, he doesn't seem to ever say no comment or anything like that to any of these questions, as discussed on my episode from Monday, which people responded to basically saying, or I think Nesbitt said, if he didn't talk about Judas Priest, then nobody would want to interview him. Quite possibly, quite possibly. But anyway, sorry, I'm... I'm 
going off on a tangent here, but KK hasn't said anything, but he has been on social media. For example, today, which is the 14th of January, as I record this, KK did put up a message on his social media, on the KK Steel Mill page on Facebook, at the very least, uh, to comment on the passing of Burke Shelley from Budgie. And that was posted today. Now, he put up some nice comments about Burke and, you know, personal memories about him that he shared. But he didn't mention anything about Judas Priest. So it's very interesting to me to keep an eye on that because the lack of communication sometimes says more than actual communication and i think on this uh in this case kk's silence speaks volumes i think he's going to rejoin judas priest and like nesbitt speculated and jonathan and others speculated as well they're biding their time in order for them to announce it in some way maybe to make themselves save face a bit saying we decided not to go ahead with the four-piece and we welcome back K.K. Downing, reuniting, for some songs at least, the classic dual guitar lineup of K.K. and Glenn when Glenn's available, but also bringing Priest back to its blab. You know, you know this type of spin they can put on these things. And as I mentioned as well, Axl Rose calling Slash a cancer is probably worse than anything anyone in Judas Priest has ever said about the other person. And if somebody can come back from that, if a band can come back from that, if a band like Iron Maiden can come back from all the inflammatory comments that both sides were making after Bruce left, and in such a short span as well. Then Judas Priest can join back together with KK. I'm getting excited. I'm wildly speculating. That's a, a place I enjoy being in wild speculation mode, so grant me that. I haven't had a chance to do this since, since Jutsu was announced, and um, that was thoroughly enjoyable as well. Um, I was going on any podcast that would have me speculating <laughs> wildly about that. So, ho- I hope you'll enjoy this man prediction from me. I reckon KK's coming back, and I reckon it's only a matter of time before it's announced. Again, just a man prediction from me. little reference to Maiden A to Z there. So that was that. That was Monday. I'm glad it seemed to be quite popular. Just, you know, looking at how many people listen to it, so I'm glad people seem to have enjoyed that. I'd like to do that a bit more. What I'd also like to do now, though, as well, is mention that I was never really um, into Budgie in that I never really listened to them. And that wasn't because I didn't like what I heard. It was just one of those bands who were around in, you know, the 70s and the 80s and, and like, up until the, the mid-2000s, I think. And uh, they were just, they slipped under my radar. And I was always aware that they were highly revered by the likes of Metallica and Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden who did covers of Budgie songs. And... I was aware of them, but I never really sat down and listened to them. So I did a bit of listening there uh, during the week, and I quite enjoyed what I heard. And they're a band now, as a result, that I will definitely give a proper listen to. And it's a shame sometimes that people have to die in order for people like me to, to wake up and pay attention. But that's just the way it goes sometimes, unfortunately. So that's kind of going to link in with something on a bring uh, something I'm going to bring up later on in this episode, which is a a direction I'd like to take at least a, a section of feckin' metal into in 2022 and more on that later but i did mention also in a previous episode that i wanted to reflect on the keep it true festival of course i was at keep it true rising in november which is a spin-off from the regular keep it true festival which has been going for over 20 years in germany organized by oliver weinsheimer who is known as ollie to his mates maybe he'll be ollie to me one day who knows Maybe not. Uh, But this man is well known in the German heavy metal scene for organising multiple yearly or annual festivals. Um, I don't don't, don't know why I said yearly and annual there. Anyway, um, Harder Than Steel, uh, Metal Assault, Hammer of Doom, and of course Keep It True. uh, And he used to write for Death Forever magazine as well. So he is a heavy metal fanatic who has been putting together festivals like this on a smallish scale in Germany for decades. And... These are festivals that I've often looked at the lineups for 
and noticed, you know, people who I'm friends with on Facebook, they'd say they're interested or they're attending. And I'd be looking at these lineups, perving over the lineups, looking up names of bands like Demon and Cities and Siratungal. And these are ones that stand out from recent years where I've gone and I've said, oh, I've heard of them. I've looked into them and kind of gone, oh, yeah, yeah. Or not Cities. That was a really obscure band that AJ Perro from... Um, from Twisted Sister used to be in and I think they may have only had one album but I just remember just to give, give an example of the types of bands that play at these festivals I can't even remember if Cities were playing to Keep It True or if they were playing up, up the Hammers to be honest but um, I, I, I'm getting sidetracked again what I'm saying is these posters always look fantastic they always have a special band specific font for the bands that are playing uh, there are usually maybe I don't know, 15 to 20 bands on a two-day festival, so all the bands can get their name up there on the poster in big lettering. And if you're looking at them as a heavy metal fan, it's with a mixture of uh, almost jealousy and and intrigue. Jealousy in the fact that for years I kind of knew that I wasn't really going to be going to these. I I don't know why I accepted that I wasn't, but I did for some reason. I I possibly had other things on and other things I said I wasn't going to spend my money on that and maybe already had tickets for too many things already. And I was like, I can't really go to this as well. And then the intrigue part is listing... These lists of bands, which every year seem to feature new bands that I'd never heard of before. And that, to me, was always intriguing. And sometimes, like I said, I'd go and investigate them because I might have heard maybe the name mentioned or I might just never have heard of them at all. And I'd see even the, the font that the band, the typeface they use to write their name hooks me in. <laughs> More like Sometimes that's all it takes. Like I've said before, I've definitely judged albums on their covers before even hearing a note of music and you can almost judge a band on on the lettering they use to write their logo you can can obviously tell like a a black metal band by the type of logo they use but I find the lettering often gives you a bit of insight into how the band is going to sound or the name of the band obviously as well yeah but um yeah so I've been looking at these posters for years and um I have always been intrigued and when I saw there was a November festival being announced as Keep It True Rising um, separate from the regular Keep It True, which is usually in April, I decided this was the time I should go. Um, I, I knew it was time, it was high time, because for, for, for far too long I was quite ignorant of underground metal, and I was going to bands like Iron Maiden, obviously I was going to Motorhead, in the early days I went to Dio, uh, Judas Priest, bands like that, and ACDC and Guns N' Roses and stuff, but I was quite under, I was quite ignorant of underground metal, and it wasn't until maybe around... 2016 17 i started looking into it a bit more when spotify became more prominent and uh these bands from the new wave of traditional heavy metal started creeping up and i started listening to the likes of haunt and night demon and visigoth and seven sisters and all that type of stuff and then um then i started looking at these posters and i noticed that the billing was shared between a mixture of the up-and-coming bands like the ones i just men- mentioned and then the likes of sirith ungal or glacier or bands who were either returning to the stage or had simply never gone away, like the likes of Demon, um, who have been plowing ahead at this for years and years and years and are still out there doing it. And it was intriguing to me again to see the likes of the newer bands, the new wave of traditional heavy metal up there with the old wave of heavy metal or sometimes the new wave of British heavy metal or whatever. Um, And Manila Road were another one that featured regularly as well until Mark Shelton died there a few years ago. But you'd always see these bands, the old old bands, and then you'd see a lot of the newer bands who were like making waves in the underground scene uh, featuring on these bills as well. And it's not just Keep It True on the festivals I mentioned that are organised by Ollie, but the likes of uh, Up The Hammers in Greece or different festivals around the world. Jarvis Letterby has organised his Frost and Fire Festival. Um, There was that one in Newcastle, if the name escapes me now. There's quite a few. And uh, then stuff I'm going to next year, like Manorfest, Hell's Heroes in in the US, and several others in between as well are 
branching into this combination of old school metal underground bands with the best of new underground metal who play in a traditional style. What a mouthful that is. But I think you know what I'm talking about. If you've been listening to me long enough now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, I could talk all day about my intrigue, my desire to attend one of these festivals. But how about I just talk about actually attending it? So, as I said, I saw Keep It True Rising being announced. They were squeezing it in when they could have a festival because the yearly festivals had been delayed year upon year, like everything yearly has been delayed pretty much since 2020. And the 2020 Keep It True is now happening in 2022, maybe or maybe not. It might happen in April. I don't think anyone's certain yet, uh, but it's been postponed a couple of times. So I think Ollie, when he saw the chance to organize something else in between cancellations or postponements, decided to book a different festival with different bands with the same type of theme as Keep It True. Again, combination of old bands who've been around for a long time, traditional heavy metal bands and newer up and coming cream of the crop type of bands that are maybe in some cases only have one or two albums out. So I uh, contacted the biggest heavy metal fan I know, Arkady, uh, Arkady Borisov. He's from Estonia originally and he's been living in Ireland for, oh, I don't know, over 15 years anyway. Um, I met Arkady in 2016 in Gothenburg Airport on the way home from seeing Iron Maiden when my flight had been delayed by five hours and his had too. He lives in Ireland, as I said. We both booked flights with Ryanair from Dublin to Stansted, then separate flights from Stansted to Gothenburg as that was cheaper than... I don't think there were direct flights. I'm not sure, but if there were anyway, this was a lot cheaper. And um, Got to the airport way too early on the morning of the flight. It was supposed to be at 7. Got there at 5 in the morning. Uh, and the 7 a.m. flight had been delayed until 12 p.m., so a five-hour delay. And having not slept a wink all night, I was absolutely forlorn, distraught, crestfallen. I was disconsolate in the fact that I'd have to be waiting another... I'd have to wait seven hours until the flight because I knew at 5 a.m. it was delayed by five hours and the two hours early being there was resulting seven hours of waiting around Gothenburg Airport. Um, so we were going up to the desks repeatedly. I was like, look, I need to... I'm, I'm going to miss my connecting flight in Stansted. And Ryanair were like, look, we don't do connecting flights. If you've booked a separate connecting flight that's your business... That is not something we cover off. That's not something we, we sell or promote. We do, not, we do not promote connecting flights. So if you happen to book two flights that were supposed to connect with one another and as a result of this delay, you are going to miss one of those flights, there is nothing we can do about it. And I saw Arkady in the airport and he was in the same boat as me. I didn't know him now, but he was wearing like a denim, uh, you know, patch jacket and an Iron Maiden t-shirt and all that. And um, he came up to me and said something like, uh, at... Stansted, we give them hell. This is, this is what I remember now. Uh, and apparently I told this story to a group of people in a really drunk, assholey type way. Uh, I keep it true while Arkady was standing there. Arkady, who now doesn't drink and hasn't touched a drop of alcohol in over 10 years, had to endure me getting drunker throughout the day and trying to entertain all these people. He'd introduced me to with stories uh, about him in the airport from five years ago. Anyway, he, he retold me retelling this the next day and I cringed and apologize but anyway yeah I, I just remember him being really angry and he was like at stand said we give them hell and i was more thinking no i don't know if we should do that because i don't know if that's going to get us anywhere because i'd already gone down the angry route the disappointed route the upset route the what am i going to do route and none of those had had worked in gothenburg airport so i kind of accepted defeat and said i'm going to go tail between legs up to the person in stansted and just ask and when i did get there um they were kind enough 
to put both of us on the next flight for free. <laughs> so everything we'd gone through in Gothenburg, the heartbreak um, was for nothing. They, they immediately put us on the next flight that was going to Dublin for free. No issues at all in Stansted. So thanks Ryanair for that. And because the flight was delayed by five hours and it wasn't because of some particular reason I was entitled to 250 euro compensation and I availed of that and I got it really quickly and I was surprised at how quick um the compensation was was paid out it was really really quick like within a week or something anyway excellent stuff so I've known Arcadi since then he goes to every metal and hard rock gig in Dublin basically and he goes to a load of these European festivals um and I've seen him at many, many concerts since then uh, at Iron Maiden and various other things. You can see him up the front in Iron Maiden videos if you watch them online. Plenty of shows that were released from the Legacy of the Beast tour and I'm sure some from Book of Souls as well. He's right there up the front. He's always first to the barrier. He's an absolute heavy metal fanatic and I actually asked him if he wanted to be my first guest on Feckin' Metal and he kindly declined. Uh, but anyway, maybe sometime in the future, I know he's listened to a few of them, maybe sometime in the future he will he will change his mind about that and I'd happily have him on. As I said, he's the biggest heavy metal fan I know. So I contacted him because I saw he was going to this on Facebook and I said, let's go. Do you want to share a hotel? He said he had booked into a hostel, but yeah, he'd be happy to share a hotel room with me. And we did just that. We booked a hotel room, which is about a 35 to 40 minute walk outside the city or a short bus or an even shorter taxi. And we, we flew over to Frankfurt, which then, as we arrived in Frankfurt Airport, we got a bus, I think, to Würzburg. And I know it's probably Würzburg. I'm just going to say Würzburg from now on. And um, we flew there and got our bus to Würzburg and then uh, actually went straight to the concert site because the show was already happening. And it was... We, we arrived too late for the band Venator, so I didn't see them. Um, and then we watched The Night Eternal, a German band, who were absolutely excellent, actually, I must say. They have the their first full-length album out, uh, Moonlit Cross, in 2021. They had a self-titled EP in 2019. Uh, their singer Carter was unbelievable. And I didn't want to miss them, neither did our caddy, so we decided to keep our bags and our crap on us, not check into the hotel, and go check out The Night Eternal. Here's a little clip from that album, uh, Moonlit Cross, of the opening track. This is fantastic stuff. Okay, so as I said there, yeah, the singer Ricardo was fantastic, excellent energy on stage. We had to miss the next band, Century, to go back to the hotel to make sure that we were back in time for Seven Sisters. Anybody who's listening to this knows how much I love Seven Sisters. There was no way I was going to miss this. They were playing the new album in full, Shadow of a Fallen or Falling Star. Uh, but they played it in full. It, it filled up, like, basically the entire 40-minute slot. And uh, that was fantastic as well. I thought Kyle sang really well. Um, listeners to previous episodes will know that I was hanging out with the band afterwards outside having a drink and a smoke and they already sound lads and very welcoming and friendly and um, yeah it was great to see that album performed in full because it's an excellent album definitely one of my favourite picks of 2021 I might do a, maybe an episode on that very shortly picks of 2021 didn't get to discover too many new bands but there were some 
absolutely brilliant bands releasing albums and i will talk about that again actually in the future but let me continue on with day one's lineup so coming up next we had ostrogoth uh, i think these are from belgium maybe i'm wrong there oh, i'm gonna check that yes they were from belgium my memory has hasn't failed me on this occasion uh, and interestingly enough the ostrogoths were a roman era germanic people in the fifth century they followed the visigoths in creating one of the great great gothic kingdoms within the roman empire uh, so there you go the ostrogoths followed the visigoths i'd never heard of them before I, I listened to a couple of their songs in advance on a playlist that i found that somebody else had made and it's enjoyable they were enjoyable metal which reminded me kind of a diano era maiden or possibly maybe accept growly ish vocals uh, i think the singer i saw is not their original singer but he's been with the band for a very long time um so yeah they were good and then we got a picture with all the band me and our caddy uh got a photo with the entire band afterwards so that was nice of them uh, they were just they just went back and started drinking at the benches like everybody else so that was really cool to see that um kate's acid now this is the band acid who had some albums out in the 1980s and uh they themselves wanted to reform a certain con combination of the lineup not the exact original lineup but uh i think with the blessing of all the original people and then apparently kate pulled out there was all sorts of drama about this i was only reading about it afterwards um and kate decided to form her own version of acid which she called kate's acid um and i listened to some of these songs from the benches and she had a very powerful voice and the benches were just behind where the stage was there was a bit of a merch stand in between and i regret not watching kate's acid because these songs are excellent i've gone and listened to a couple of the albums the song max overload which our caddy got stuck in my head from singing it constantly is a real highlight and i watched some of the stuff on youtube afterwards and i wish i watched kate's acid i think she's in her 70s herself the singer kate i uh, can't remember her surname now but she had a serious set of pipes on her for a woman who's let's face it, an elderly woman and uh, she absolutely delivered and i wish i had a watched rather than just sat at the benches because this is good music so here's a clip of that song that our caddy got stuck in my head max overload apparently this was about some sound technician in the 1980s who used to do the sound at their shows <laughs> so by this point i'd had quite a few beers outside drinking i'd moved on to jack daniels and coke and i do not recall what i was doing for triumph of death whatsoever i don't think i watched any of them but i was having great crack talking to people at the benches at this point and that's one of the things i really miss about festivals as well the last festival i was at was i'm guessing it was sabaton open air in august 2019 so it had been over two years since i'd had this combination of watching bands drinking and talking to people that i've just met and having that instant bond and instant connection of heavy metal and going oh what's on your t-shirt that's a deadly patch that's a brilliant jacket where are you from and it's a it's a bit of a sacrifice you have to make at a festival because you want to do some of that and you want to get chatting to all people from all over the place but you don't really want to miss the band so but some bands you do have to sacrifice and unfortunately one of those for me was kate's acid and i don't even know what triumph of death are like because i never listened to them um, and then by the time it came to candlemas i was basically too drunk to enjoy them and that's a bloody shame uh, because i had been enjoying myself too much the rest of the day 
and I got drunk and tired and cranky when Candlemas were on. Now, I did go up and watch them, and I do remember bits of it, but at one point, I was convinced that the singer from Candlemas was drunk and stumbling around the stage, and I sent our caddy a text message saying, don't believe the hype, these aren't even that good, the singer is drunk, and I can't hear a word he's saying. <laughs> and I'm like, what a dickhead thing to do anyway by me, but... um, but. That's all of that is, is bullshit. I've seen Candlemas before and I really like them. I saw them back in 2015 at Sabaton Open Air and I believe 2018 when they'd gotten back with Johan Lanquist. And uh, now this time they were singing the, um, yeah, sorry. So they sang Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus and they sang Nightfall, uh, but they did them in the reverse order. So they gave, uh, they, they sang Nightfall first. So it was Johan Lanquist singing uh, Messiah Mark Collins vocals on Nightfall, which Obviously, is no mean feat. Messiah Mark Colin is a very, very powerful vocalist. And he did several albums with Candlemas that are considered classics. Johan Lanquist only did the one album. And then he came back for a return album in 2018. They did a new album. Um, but this was... I've watched videos since. And I think he did a decent job. And I think I, I was just pissed. And I was tired. And I'd been... had fuck all sleep. And you know, you know, all those usual kind of excuses so it wasn't the best frame of mind for me to be in to watch Candlemas even though I have enjoyed them when I saw them twice before in 2015 with Matt's Tevin and in 2018 with the original singer Johan um, so I'm going to rectify that next year because I'll be seeing them twice I'll be seeing them at Manorfest and I'll be seeing them at Hell's Heroes as well so I have two chances to redeem myself next or what am I saying next year it's this year Jesus <clears throat> we are in the future it's 2022 um, yeah so I have two chances to redeem myself and actually watch them properly and I'll be sure to get back to you with a report about how they perform because I don't think they got a fair representation from my sobriety or my level of interest because I had waned by that by that time in the night and watching a band perform two albums in full I didn't have it in me so that was day one sorry it's Matt's Levin not Matt's Tevin that filled in in 2015 I think they did a couple of EPs with him but never a full album Matt's Levin not Tevin uh, okay so let's move on it's day two and we didn't see Finks I think we were hanging around in the city uh, Arcadi showed me around he's been to many of those festivals organised by Ali before so he knew the city very well and you know I wish we had a few more days there because it was a nice city I was hugely hungover on day two uh, and decided I had to pace myself a lot better if I was going to see all of these bands and that I wasn't going to make the same mistakes again you'll be glad to hear that I didn't and I did succeed in pacing myself um, but before that we had a bit of a walk around uh, we took photos on the main bridge which is actually called main bridge which which runs over main river uh, or in german alt main um and we re recreated the cover of the terrible certainty album which is by the band wait for it creator uh, yes so um that apparently was a painting that was inspired by the main bridge in Würzburg, and uh, we did the arms folded pose there from Terrible certainty, and both our caddy and I got a photo. That was his idea, um, not mine, but it's a nice photo. I'm glad. I'm glad we decided to do it. Walked up to the venue, queued for ages. Unfortunately, because the rules had changed on day two, we got a negative PCR test before we went out over, which gave us clearance for 48 hours. Um, and they were happy if you had had a P uh, two uh, antigen tests one on each day or, or a PCR test which lasts you for two days but there was some change in that on day two I think people who had a PCR test or sorry an antigen test from the day before that would still be within 24 hours old they weren't accepting that on day two you had to go and get a new one from that same day 
uh, which kind of makes sense because if you've been fraternizing with people at a heavy metal festival what worth is your negative antigen test really um what's the real value of it anymore anyway so people were it was a bit of a delay getting in but it was fine um we missed the first band so they were over, I think, by the time we got in and we had our photos taken and we queued and all that. Uh, I did see Sarah Kitteringham from Smolder walking around the merchandise area. I didn't go over to her, chickened out. I should have, but I didn't. Um, but I, I did mention, of course, I, I saw the Seven Sisters lads on both days. And, and I mentioned on a previous episode, I saw Anderson Tiago, who was actually traveling with Sarah from Smolder and her boyfriend, I think, as well from Smolder and another person. Um, but yeah, it was great to see Anderson there as well. Uh, but also special hellos to people I met over the weekend. Chris, Jack, Dave, Brian, Nadine, Yaron, Jesse, Mark and Mitch and others too numerous to mention. They're the people whose names I've recalled and maybe some of them are listening to it now. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was great to meet all those people. Really sound. I hope I bump into some of you again. Some of you are from Ireland. Some of you are from Germany and places in between and it was nice to meet so many like-minded people and chat to you and just hang around with you it was great so i hope to bump into some of you again at events down the line uh, so day two day two uh first band i saw were megaton sword excellent swiss heavy metal band really really good singer uzzy unchained i believe is his name i described him as epic heavy metal uzzy spoke to the crowd in a real theatrical manner it kind of added to the show uh it was kind of the right side of cheesy it was entertaining i'll say and they sounded really good. All right, next band I watched was next up, and they were a German doom metal band called Wheel. They've uh, three full albums to their name. Jonathan will be very happy to hear me pronouncing them as Wheel. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody loves Cool Whip. Um, and Andrew as well. But yeah, 2021's Preserved in Time was and still is the only album of theirs I've listened to, but it's an excellent album, one of the highlights of last year as well. And they were really good. Uh, it was doom metal and it was just engaging and I think they had the crowd within the first song. They really had the crowd in the palm of their hands. So they were they were very impressive. Following Wheel were the band Nestor. And if you listen to the feckin' check-in, you'll have heard me talk about this because Toomey quickly asked me what were the highlights of the festival. Nestor were absolutely fantastic and for me they were the band of the weekend. They are 80s hard rock. Um, I spoke about them on the feckin' check-in. I said to Toomey that I felt they had a fabricated backstory uh, because they mention in their social media that they have been together since 1989. That's when the band started. It's also the name of one of their songs and whatever. But uh, I was saying to Toomey, I couldn't find any information about them online. So I quickly want to update that because Jonathan from Maiden A to Z was quick to contact me and tell me that, in fact, they have been around since then. Uh, they broke up for a while. They did do gigs back in the, in the late 80s. And that the singer from Nestor is actually a professional songwriter and has worked as that for some time. And that completely makes sense if you listen to Nestor. Uh, Kids in a Ghost Town, their album last year released, is just full of just perfectly poppy hard rock in the best possible way. That could be used as a negative description as well, but I don't mean it negatively. I mean it positively. I think they were f fucking brilliant. <laughs> um, the song On the Run, the song 1989, and the song Kids in a Ghost Town, all of those three really stood out. And they were just so enjoyable, so f much fun, I will say. And I'm not going to play any of their stuff here right now because they will feature in a piece on next week's Feckin' Metal, which I will get to shortly. Now... Uh, the next band were called Killer. They're from Belgium. They've been around since 1980 and they had a couple of breaks in there uh, during that time. They haven't been constantly on the go since then. They were decent, fast, heavy metal, very much like Motorhead. I watched a couple of songs and 
kind of felt, okay, I need a bit of a break if I'm going to stick it out for the next or the final four bands of the night. And I wanted to watch all of those. The next band was Iron Angel from Germany. I didn't watch them. Uh, I re- recalled listening to them in advance. They were thrash. They weren't too bad. But I, as I said, you have to sacrifice some bands to go out and have a break, have a slice of pizza, go out and get some fresh air before the absolutely killer final four acts, Praying Mantis, Demon, Atlantean Codex and Blind Guardian, one after the other. In fact, I will say Praying Mantis were excellent and you know, I only know a couple of their songs that I've listened to on Spotify and um, that famous album from the 1980s, Time Tells No Lies. And uh, yeah, they definitely played a couple of songs from that. And they have a singer who wasn't the singer on that album, but has been, again, he's been with the band for a long time. They were fantastic, really good. I'd say their music is more AOR, hard rock, than heavy metal. They were just one of those bands that were lumped in with the new wave of British heavy metal. A similar style band are Demon in that their their best known songs are kind of just melodic hard rock and they left us waiting for those, I will say. So I found that the I found the momentum of the show kind of dipped a bit when they were singing songs that weren't as recognizable as their, you know, The Uninvited Guest and uh, Night of the Demon and all that type of stuff. So, but when they did play the well-known songs towards the end, at the very end of their set, they were very well received and they played them excellently. After that was Atlantean Codex, who I'd only given a, a cursory listen to in advance. I'd listened to one of their albums in full and a few tracks but they had been recommended by so many different people. Um, I remember Kyle from Seven Sisters brought them up when I spoke to him uh, as far back as then. Jake from Visigoth brought them up. Philip Trummer, who featured on my Ark Sabbath episodes, that he recommended them to me as well. A guy from work who I work with recommended them to me. So I was very eager to see Atlantia Codex. They didn't disappoint at all. And their songs are maybe seven or eight, nine minutes long, but they were really good from start to finish. They were second down the bill to the final act of the night, Blind Guardian, who had mentioned that they were going to do an old school set originally, but then talk of that kind of quietened down. And I watched the first couple of songs, didn't really recognize them, went and got a, myself a beer, came back, and when they played songs like The Bard Song, Mirror Mirror, uh, Valhalla, the place just absolutely erupted. It was fantastic to see Blind Guardian performing those songs. I got myself a Blind Guardian live album back in the mid-2000s. It's just called Live, a double album. And I listened to that quite a lot. But that was really the only exposure I had to them. A while after, I did listen to their first album, which was kind of more of a thrash metal album or speed metal album. Um, And I listened to bits and pieces here and there. But I didn't know them that well. But the songs I did know and the songs that they played at Keep It True Rising were fantastic. And they really got the crowd going. And they were an absolutely excellent live band. And here's a little clip I recorded live on the night of the Bard song. Okay, so you'll have heard me mention older bands that I wasn't familiar with and I really enjoyed watching. Newer bands who, again, may only have a couple of albums out and I got into in 2021. And 
I did discover some really good bands in 2021, but I think overall, of all my years using Spotify, I probably discovered the fewest new bands. And that's new to me, of course. They're not all actually new bands. But I probably discovered the fewest new bands of any of my years listening to Spotify, just from my stats at the end of the year. And there's multiple reasons for that. One of them was because big bands like Halloween and Iron Maiden had huge monster albums out that I spent a lot of time listening to. Uh, another reason was I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts. I find you can spend endless hours listening to podcasts. And I know this sounds ridiculous, seeing as I am a host of a podcast. But when I'm listening to 10 or 15 hours a week of podcasts and sacrificing new music as a result, that's not sustainable for me. I need the new music. And the bands I did discover in 2021, I will keep investigating and they'll, they'll stay with me. Lots of those bands have stayed with me and I want to keep discovering new music. So for 2022, I am on a quest to discover new music and that's in two broad categories. That's truly new and that means the band started in 2010 or afterwards and that's new to me and that means the band started sometime before 2010. Now you might say to me, 2010 does not count as a new band. I think it does. I'll tell you why. A band can sometimes take a few years to get going. They mess around with lineups that never go anywhere. They take a while to find their sound. They take a while to sign to a record company. Or maybe they release something independently, a demo, an EP, a split single. But then, eventually, they might release their first album. I'll, I'll use Night Demon as, a, as an example. I think they started in 2010 and they didn't have their first album out until 2015. So if I'm saying 2010, really, the band has only been around maybe in, in a lot of cases since 2015 or later. So also, the, ter- the, the turn of the 2010 seems like a real milestone it really really seems like we're living in the in the future since the turn of the 2010s so that's when the technology changed that's when the streaming came in that's when everything changed so i'm saying post 2010 is new to me it seems like a nice place to sorry post 2010 is truly new it seems like a nice place to create the divide and prior to 2010 is just new to me so that could be the likes of uh, demon or um Praying Mantis or bands like that, which I haven't investigated. And what I'm going to judge it on is I have have to have no prior relationship with that band for it to be new to me. So I couldn't count somebody like Iron Maiden, obviously. I couldn't count somebody like Judas Priest, where there are albums I haven't listened to as much as the other ones. But Jesus, I know the band pretty fucking well. So that's what I'm doing. It's going to be truly new. That's post-2010 and new to me. And for this quest which I have yet to name. I realized I can't call it Quest for Metal because there's a YouTube channel with that name. Uh, I'm going to put the name Quest in there somewhere. Listeners, long-time listeners of me as a podcaster may have listened to my previous podcast, Open Us, which I did with my friend Toomey as well. And it was first on Open Us in an episode, I think, in November 2020 or 2019. Jesus, I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, November 2019, where we did the review episode, or December 2019, we did the review episode of the of the Spotify best of that year. And Toomey said a lot of the music that I listened to was like, especially the metal, was like, oh, you're going on a quest, I'm going on a quest, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of heavy metal music is about quests, and I think that's quite funny. So for that purpose, I asked Kyle McNeil, who wrote the intro music to Feckin' Metal, uh, Kyle from Seven Sisters, if he would write me a new piece of music, a bit longer, which is epic in nature and it's like the start of a quest and it's kind of the start of a song that in itself would be an epic and I asked him if he could cut it off just as sort of stuff is getting going and he's delivered that, as usual, in spades. So this is the piece of music Kyle composed for me for payment, again, of course. I would never ask somebody to do something uh, for exposure or anything like that but uh, Kyle delivered again so here's that piece of music and 
I think it's fantastic and I think you'll like it too. So I am going to use that piece of music every episode where I introduce the Quest for Metal, which won't be called Quest for Metal. So I'm asking you, can you help me come up with a name for this? And you know what it is. I'm looking for old bands that I don't really know that well and to discover them and new bands who've been around since after 2010 or newer than that. Um, That's the piece of music. That's the theme of what we're doing here. Um, And next week, I'm going to hope to have a name for it. Please send me your suggestions. You can send it to me at Feckin' Metal Cast on Twitter, uh, at Feckin' Checkin on Facebook, or feckinmetal at gmail.com if you'd like to contribute an idea to what I should call this new section, which is going to feature not in every single episode of Feckin' Metal. Some places it won't really fit in. But in most episodes, I'm going to put it in there. So, for example, next week, I hope to have an interview up with somebody who you probably will enjoy as a guest but at the end of it i'm going to insert a separate section about quest for metal um because some interviews can be nice and short i'm not expecting this one to go terribly long so i think it'll be appropriate in episodes like that and maybe in some other ones that are a bit longer or a bit different or are thematic in themselves maybe it won't fit in so it'll be a semi-regular section piece of feckin' metal for at least 2022 uh so the first two bands I'm going to be discovering next week our one that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, and that's Nestor, who are from Sweden. They're the truly new band, as in they're around since post-2010. And I'm going to say they are because their first release was post-2010 that you can find anywhere. You can't find any of their older stuff anywhere. So they're going to be the new band. And the older band, our heavy load, also from Sweden, sometimes considered the first Swedish heavy metal band. Certainly an inspirational band in Swedish heavy metal, uh, considered one of the first power metal bands in some cases. And these are a band who unfortunately are not really on any streaming platforms. I had to look elsewhere for their music, but all their albums and EPs and singles and stuff like that are available on the likes of YouTube. And I've had a great time listening to Heavy Load uh, recently, and I'm going to pick out some songs that I really enjoyed and ones that show the evolution of the band in my mind, um, and Nestor as well. Uh, So those are the two bands for next week. As I said, next week should be an interview with a special Metal Quest segment at the end. Uh, And I've interesting things planned for the year ahead. Two additional projects, which I have planned. One will be outside of Feckin' Metal. uh, And so will another one, actually, uh, (laughs) if they get going. Um, But for the podcast itself, uh, I have another thing planned, which is the return of a very popular guest who was on more than one episode in 2021. Uh, And as part of the Metal Quest segment, whatever it ends up being called, I want your suggestions. So not just for the name of the segment itself, but 
for bands who I should investigate. They can be hard rock, metal, and even prog. I don't mind a bit of prog as well, if it's kind of a hard rocking kind of, kind of prog that we could easily pass off as, as hard rock music. Um, so there you go. That's all I've got for you this week. I'm going to finish out with a song by Budgie, who I mentioned earlier. And this is one I discovered recently. So in the theme of the night, let's discover new music. Let's discover it together. Music that's new to us and music that's new in general. This is I Turned to Stone from 1981. That's going to do it for this episode of Feckin' Metal. I've been your host, Fergal Trainer, and I'll see you next time.